You are listening to the Trinity Presbyterian Church Podcast from Petaluma, California. Here is this week's Adult Sunday School class. Let's open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for uh, this time each week that we gather, and particularly as we come into our Sunday School uh, classroom sort of setting and think about uh, this topic of personal evangelism. Um, we pray uh, that, Lord, we would be well-equipped um, Lord, we pray in being well-equipped that would help to uh, cast aside some of the common fears that come with evangelism. And uh, Lord, we, we do pray uh, that there would be fruit uh, through our, our uh, ministry of personal evangelism. And we pray that that fruit would encourage us uh, to see how you're at work, uh, to see that even in these uh, last days when the world uh, seems increasingly lawless, uh, that, Lord, you were still at work uh, to uh, reclaim sinners, uh, to gather your elect from the ends of the earth, uh, even here in, 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 in the San Francisco Bay Area. And so, Father, we uh, pray then, uh, bless today's study in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've been talking personal evangelism, and of course we've covered various sort of specific topics under personal evangelism. So, you know, let's see who's been paying attention. Someone give me one of the topics that we've been talking about under personal evangelism. What's one of our Sunday lessons that we've done so far? Everyone said testimony. That one stood out. So, so you all get one point divided by, I think, three or four. So... Um, so we talked about sharing testimony. Uh, what's another one that we talked about? Uh, yeah, we did sort of Gospel 101, you know, the basic Gospel presentation. So that was definitely a topic that we did. What else? Yes, we had a time where we talked about fear and thinking about fear and should we be afraid and what does that look like? And so, you know, that's... Uh, uh, you know, certainly by thinking about what we should and shouldn't be afraid of, um, it can help us to uh, deal with that in, in, in a godly way. So I think that's an important uh, important topic. Um, I suddenly feel like uh, I, there's one more, and I didn't uh, bother to actually look at my own notes. Well, what, did, what are we missing? Did, did we have one more uh, last week? We haven't done that yet. That's right. Uh, Oh, I know the, the one. Yes, last week's conversation. Yeah, what was last week's one on it? <laughs> the most recent one. <laughs> I forgot, and apparently you all forgot too. Uh, um, what were we speaking about? There you go. That was my little hint. Was, my my title was speaking about Jesus, and uh, it was about how do you st- steer conversations toward a way of, of talking about Jesus. And we gave different examples. You guys did a great job last week, I thought. You know, we, we, we threw out different scenarios and great way to, you guys did a great job of helping to bring them uh, to speak of Christ, making the most of every opportunity. Um, today, what I wanted us to focus on on evangelism is really actually not strictly about evangelism, but I'm going to uh, contextualize it around evangelism, and that's prayer support. Prayer support. When we think about evangelism, there's a reason why we have an outreach prayer meeting, for example, right? And when we do outreach prayer meetings once a month, uh, that's, of course, especially as a church, the personal evangelism is obviously a, a, a significant 
part of the overall ministry of the church in terms of outreach and evangelism. But when we talk of prayer, there's a lot we should be praying about. And I like how our shorter catechism tells us about how do we learn about how to pray. And roughly it says that the, the, the Lord's, actually says all scripture uh, is useful to help teach us how to pray, but especially uh, the Lord's prayer. And, and so I'm, I'm going to not talk about the Lord's prayer. I'm going to talk about the other part of that answer, right? Like, like the, all of God's word gives us lots to pray about. And when it comes to evangelism, there are a number of specific uh, verses that tell us something about how to be praying when it comes to evangelism. And so, you know, Tyler mentioned we had that, that uh, uh, lesson on, on fear, right? Well, one of the things we talked about in there is that we need to be praying with regard to struggling with those fears. I think um, it could seem like this is like a side lesson, but it really should be sort of a very foundational lesson. Arguably, we could have had this as the very first lesson when we come to our personal evangelism. How can we be praying and so today's going to be sort of like a um, Bible survey on prayer with regard to personal evangelism or evangelism in general. Uh, so what, are, what should we be praying uh, about and how should we be praying about evangelism, personal evangelism? Let's get our Bibles out. And uh, the first one we'll look at in our little survey here is Matthew 9, 37 and 38. So if you're taking notes, a good way to benefit from our uh, our time today is, as I give you a verse, write it down, and then I'm going to ask, what does this verse say, something we should be praying? How, what does it have to say about prayer and evangelism? And just write a little little word or two next to your note. And so at the end, you'll have some notes on how to pray with regard to personal evangelism. So Matthew 9, 37, and 38. And uh, who's got that here? Sarah, do you have that? I, I can't help. I just, you know, has to read sometimes, gets a little sidetracked. But, but I could be reading Sarah's facial expression wrong. But when I asked who, who would like to read, everyone looked down, you know. And, and then I called on Sarah, and I saw this little glimmer of a gleam, like the working, looking down didn't work this time. <laughs> Was that at all right? Or... <laughs> thank you, thank you. Okay, good. So what did Matthew 9, 37, 38 have to say about our prayer with regard to evangelism? Sarah, send laborers. This is, of course, a dangerous one to pray because you might be one of the laborers, right? In other words, um, I often use this in our own prayers. Lord, we're a tiny church. We need more reinforcements, right? Um, there are, there's a harvest out here among us, and we need laborers. But, you know, sometimes there's the, uh, the uh, well, okay, um, thinking of last Christmas, going to the kids' rooms before they open up all their presents. Kind of, this is from last year. You never opened and played with that gift. Why are we giving you more gifts? Right? And so we've been praying. 
Harvest is plentiful. Workers are few. How many of the workers have said, we haven't been engaged enough. We need to be out there, right? Finding ways to share Christ. And so as we pray for this, we pray, yeah, God would bring us others to labor alongside in sharing Christ. But we also are reminding ourselves in that prayer, God has sent you here to be one of those workers uh, to be out there sharing and testifying to Christ in in, in different ways. Marlon, you have a, a, a look of, of, of contemplation. No? Okay. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, let's turn now to the uh, next one, 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 7. Dare I try? Who's got it? Uh, <laughs> Marlon, there we go. There we go. Thank you, Marlon. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 and 7. What can we be praying for according to that verse? God to give the growth. You know, one of the things we should be thinking about when we pray is we're praying for things especially that, quote, so to speak, we can't do ourselves, right? Now, granted, you should pray for all things and God do bless you, you know, and ultimately everything we can do is because God gives us strength. But, but particularly we think of prayer requests on things that we can't do ourselves. Uh, today in Genesis, a real turning point in Jacob is that before he meets Esau and he's terrified about meeting Esau, he prays, Lord, save me from Esau. Because Jacob realized he couldn't save himself from Esau which is a great thing for him to re finally realize, right? Again, think Jacob. Um, we acknowledge in our prayer life, we do not convert people. Really important, right? Right? Because on the one hand, we're in evangelism class right now, right? And we're thinking of every argument to put asunder their, their wrong arguments. And, and, and particularly, we get to the apologetics, right? That's especially a big thing, right? How can we... How can we just demolish their faulty arguments, right? How can we say the gospel in the most you know, compelling way? And we do not want to ever fall into the trap to think that one is converted uh, chiefly, primarily, uh, ultimately, because you did such a good job in preaching the gospel to them, right? Got to make sure we don't fall into that trap. And so, how... How does someone ultimately, well, ask the youngest in the room, how, though slightly less younger, of course, uh, how does someone chiefly come uh, to be saved? Amen, amen. Out of the mouth of babes, right? Uh, what's that? That was exactly right, yeah. This is the read the pastor's mind question, but no, you, you read it right. The Holy Spirit has to change someone's heart, right? Conversation, Jesus with Nicodemus. How is it someone enters the kingdom of heaven? Only if they're born again. And, and our mind is simply right away when that happens, okay, how can I make myself born again? And you, you, you realize, actually, you don't make yourself born again. What did any of you do to be born in the first place? <laughs> right? It's not you, it's the Lord here. So the Lord makes people born again, spiritually regenerated. Cool thing 
is he typically commonly uses people in the process. And he could, in some cases, I'm sure does, use one particular individual in someone's life over an extended period of time to be that instrument that God uses to, to bring them truth, to see that uh, it, it, it's bearing fruit and over time harvest, etc., etc. But this passage reminds us, in an example, that there is often multiple people involved in the process. In this case, who are some of the people involved uh, according to these verses that we just read? Paul and, and Apollos. There we go. So Paul and Apollos, right? Um, Paul planted, Apollos watered. God gave the growth. And I mean, literally, you can use that's a that, that's an agro farming uh, right analogy, right? I mean, literally, that's the case, right? You can have different people do the different parts. Um, think of uh, was it the uh, it's a little red hen who who plant who needed help and and nobody else would help. <laughs> um, but you see, they could have all been involved in helping and getting the weed and you know all that. Uh, God is the one who ultimately uh, brings the growth. We need to be praying for that. Praying God will bring the growth. By the way, this is an encouragement when we do plant a seed. I know we say it when we, when we share the gospel with somebody and they don't, you don't see the fruit right away. We say, well, a seed hopefully was planted. And you can go home and pray that that seed would, would germinate. Right? So be praying for these things. All right, let's look at the next one. Uh, Romans 10.1. Let me, guys, let, me, let me know if you need me to slow down so you can keep your notes up to date here. That was a joke. I'm sure you're all feverishly taking notes. Uh, Romans 10.1. Romans 10.1. Tong, why don't you read that for us? And who in context is the them? Good. Israel. Yeah. Including, including uh, well, Jews in Israel, uh, you know, basically at this point has become synonymous. But uh, um, so, so what do we learn about what we should pray for according to this verse when it comes to evangelism? Who? Okay, good. So I appreciate that you you did what I was hoping you would do, which was, you know, I, certainly we can pray specifically for Israel's salvation. That's a good prayer in and of itself. But 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 that's not simply what I wanted us to get out of this. Uh, more broader application is the idea that we can and should pray for specific people. Right? I mean, um, this is Paul's prayer for his unsaved loved ones, if you think about it. Right? It's his family that he loves, and he just kills them that they don't know Christ. So we pray for specific people, and unsaved loved ones is certainly a, a specific category there. And, and of course, if you, if you, uh, you know, um, went and had a conversation with somebody and, uh, 
and and you know that you met and then you know you go home and you pray for them to to really you know know what you talked about to know Christ and so also recognize the little heart's desire reference what what that bring into all of this my heart's desire and prayer yeah yeah it'd be easy to walk through the motions pray coldly or something, you know. But this is a fervent prayer. He really does have genuine concern for them. And let's say, Pastor, I, I heard your point there, but honestly, I, I find myself praying for these unsaved people just because I know I'm supposed to. I don't really have that much compassion for them. What could you do about that? There you go. <laughs> amen, amen. Pray that you would have a heart that would have compassion for the lost that God has brought into your life. Again, I think of, um, yes, there's a value in sort of praying big general things like the salvation of Israel or, or you know, praying for our missionaries in Uganda or something. Obviously good things to pray about. But who has the Lord brought into your life and had a connection with, and how can you have a heart for their salvation and, and praying for uh, their salvation? And so I think that's uh, uh, something we need to be thinking about is the specific connections. Uh, I'm going to give Tyler, uh, in, a, in a moment here, I'm going to use Tyler's hand. He has a question, and I'm going to use Tyler as an example as well. So um, Tyler in the past had worked for Redwood Gospel Mission. A lot of poor folks, right, that they're dealing with. And... Um, uh, oftentimes I have people who want to help the poor, right? Like the, the people they run into on the streets that they have no, no connection with. And they feel like they just need to give them money or something like that. And I would say, let people you have no connection with, get them connected with groups like Redwood Gospel Mission who have expertise dealing with that. You have people in your own life you already know and have a relationship with that have differing levels of poverty and need. You are in a place to help them better. Right, just like Red Gospel is in a place to help random strangers that you don't know better than you will be. And I'm using that as an analogy for evangelism. Yes, it's great to do street evangelism, but especially let's think about the people God's put in your life that you know what's going on in their life and you know how to minister, maybe because you know them better. Tyler. Yeah. So um, I'm thinking of. Uh, I think I can say this, yes, um, publicly. Uh, Sarah's dad said she, he had been praying for uh, Richard Maines for years and years and years for his salvation. And uh, finally, and I'm not saying this is good or bad, but finally he said, I'm going to stop praying for Richard Maines. I prayed this long and I'm not going to pray anymore. And like it seemed in, 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 in Dick Miller's uh, mind that he stopped praying and then like almost overnight, God does a, a dramatic work of change in Richard Maines's heart and life. And you know, Richard, you know, um, not only died in the Lord, but died as a deacon and treasurer, and you know, real great blessing to our, our congregation and a real answer to prayer and a servant in the church. So, so uh, I'm not necessarily advocating for for stopping and praying for folks. Uh, I think there are times where it's kind of like. You, you know, in the Bible, it talks about there's time to like kick the dust off your feet and move on to the next town. 
And so I, 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 that's me also saying I'm not advocating not at, at some point deciding I'm going to, going to move on in my prayer life and focus my efforts on other people. Because, I mean, the reality is you do only have so many hours, minutes, or whatever to pray in your life. And so, so um, sometimes you might pray for a season for somebody and decide it's time to focus your prayers on but. You know, God doesn't always answer our prayers in the time and the way that we expect, and sometimes we can be pleasantly surprised. And um, maybe in uh, in uh, I you know I can only imagine, but maybe in Dick Miller and Richard Maines' case, it was a cool way to say by letting Dick pray that long. I believe it was an answer to those prayers, right? But by allowing uh, it to happen after he stopped praying was sort of God's wonderful way to say at the same time. It's about me, not you. And so I think that's, a, that's sort of an uninspired third-party interpretation of, 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 of how it all could have gone down. But I can see that's God's way of working. It's kind of like sometimes we do these outreaches, we get nobody from the thousand flyers return, and then someone off the street comes unrelated to those flyers. It's a wonderful encouragement. So anyways, I, I, I digress. I, saw, I, I don't know if I really answered your question other than to say, let us not lose heart. Use our wisdom on how to use our prayer time. And um, probably I would certainly think err on the side of uh, not losing heart in terms of keeping someone on the prayer list. And sometimes our prayers are not answered the way that we, we want them to, but you keep praying and, and we'll see what God does. Yeah, to think seeds that were planted at one point took so long to, to germinate, you know. Yeah. Again, using the analogy of germination... Um, uh, I, I don't know a whole lot about this kind of field, but uh, um, I've heard every so often, like species, they thought like of plants that they thought had like went extinct. All of a sudden, seeds that had been there for maybe decades or who knows how long end up germinating, and hey, this, this species is back again. So, you know, things can take a long time to quote germinate, and and you know, God's timing. Who are we to argue with that? So. That's right. The lesson, though, is prayer. Right? This is certainly a call to encourage us in prayer. Uh, next one, Ephesians 6, 18-20. Ephesians 6, 18. Ephesians 6, 18-20. Jim, you got that? So what do we what do we see? What do we learn there about prayer with regard to evangelism? Yeah, and so of course there there Marlon notes something very important here. You know, this isn't just anybody randomly asking for prayer. It is in this case, he says he's an ambassador, you know, he's an apostle, right? So he's a gospel minister, and so certainly we can pray uh, for those particularly, you know, remember in our first lesson we sort of distinguished between sort of authorized uh, you know, uh, ministers, evangelists, and in this case apostle, versus everyday personal evangelism. So we certainly can, can, can pray for their ministry, and we do pray for our missionaries and church planters and our, and our foreign missionaries, that is certainly something we want to do. Now, but did you notice Paul has a specific request for himself? 
in this topic, and I think there's an application back to us on that. What's this? Uh, is that what you were going to uh, answer, Jim, or you had another question? Okay, I'll come back to you then. Um, what is Paul specifically asking for prayer for himself on? Boldness, that's right. Anybody ever struggle with boldness when sharing your faith? And, and of course, um, you can think of boldness is, is different than sort of um, um, brashness, right? Boldness and meekness together can be a beautiful combination. Paul, as a gospel, I know when I think of like heroes of the faith, I think of bold, bold evangelists, the faith. Probably the first person that comes to my mind is, is Paul. And, and I guess on the one hand, I could be uh, surprised that he would have been the kind of person then to ask for prayer in this category. On the other hand, maybe that's why he's such a bold presenter, is he's been asking for prayer in this category. And God's answered that prayer. And so the application then is to pull back, even though obviously most of us are not, you know, uh, ordained, you know, ministers of the word like Paul was, can we all pray for our own boldness in sharing the faith as well as for others? Amen, right? That's something we should be praying for. Lord, give me boldness. Give me boldness to... I, 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 I think, Lord... Remember that time yesterday where I had the opportunity and I was too scared to say something. Lord, I pray next time. Next time may I be bold enough to say something. Praying for that boldness. I, again, this goes into that fear topic, right? Here's a verse to hang on, hang your hat on, right? Praying for that boldness. Jim, comment. That's right. Yep. Yep. And uh, uh, particularly when I think of the topic of evangelism, that means, right, the whole church throughout the world is a witness. We've got to be praying for that witness. Um, yeah. um, turn over to uh, 2 Timothy 1. 2 Timothy 1, 7 through 9. Um, Sabine, would you read that for us? Amen. So I had us read this. This is really a compliment to the previous one, where we're praying for boldness. And again, it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. It did not say, uh, for you have not earned yourself a spirit of fear, or you have not been one who's had a person. It says God has not given. That means it's a gift. So we look to the giver of every good and perfect gift. And if we find ourselves with a, with a spirit of fear, we go to the giver of every good and perfect gift, and we pray, Lord, please give to me that spirit of boldness, of confidence, of power, of love, of a sound mind, that we would not be ashamed. You see the testimony reference there? Ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Remember, we are to bear witness to Christ. And so we have this uh, wonderful reminder of the idea of praying for that. And of course, just on the same category, you can think of that very common verse we point to when we get into things like anxiousness, Philippians 4, right? 
Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And there it says, you have anxiety about something. You have a fear about something. You're not bold, but you're scared. Pray, it says. Pray. Um, let's actually go back to Ephesians uh, 6 one more time here. Go, we'll go a little earlier in that chapter. Uh, Ephesians 6. Um, Diego, would you read verses uh, 10 through 12? If you remember, this is the passage that we read just a moment ago. At the end, drove us to talk about prayer. At the beginning of the passage... It says, be strong in the Lord. That's a command. Does that command mean you need to start doing spiritual push-ups? Well, I mean, there are things given for our growth. But guess what? One of them is prayer. And there's a list here of different things to put on, right? And these are ways that we are going to be strong in the Lord. But it does end with the call to prayer. And I, I, I've always thought that we should understand the call to prayer is not like, here's your spiritual armor conversation, and now prayer is somehow unrelated to that passage. No, I think really it ends in prayer, because how do you sort of um, uh, apply and, and, and move forward in putting all this armor? It's in and through prayer, where you're praying for things like that. Uh, a belt of truth and, and the uh, uh, shield of faith and the helmet of the uh, hope of your salvation and things like that. So um, prayer is very important when we're talking about this because what is this passage about? What kind of warfare is this pa- that's your hint. What kind of warfare is this passage talking about? Spiritual warfare. So going back to this passage, was to make sure we understand the reason why we're praying about all of this is there is spiritual warfare going on when we evangelize. And if we recognize that, then we will be uh, uh, reminded that we need to go to prayer about it. So um, notice, by the way, uh, set up for our sermon today, in verse 12, we do not wrestle. We're going to talk about Jacob wrestling today. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We have a wrestling uh, against these spiritual forces. And, you know, Jacob, we're going to see, is uh, his going to pray is, is, is at the heart of what he's really wrestling with, is why it's so important that he goes to prayer. And, and so for us, when we're doing evangelism, gosh, if you're spending a bunch of time reading apologetics books, and thinking of every crafty argument, and not really praying when you're going out into conversations with people. Gosh, are you wrestling against humans then by your own strength? we got to be praying. we got to be praying. we got to be praying. And that's a reminder that it's God who, who will give the growth. Um. Turn over to Nehemiah, Old Testament passage, chapter 4. This is after Ezra. Oh, that's where it's at. Um, 
Where is Ezra? <laughs> Chapter 1st and 2nd Chronicles, right? Um, so this is toward the end of the historical books in the Old Testament. So uh, Nehemiah chapter 4, if you're using a pew Bible, let's see, that's on page 400. Who's got uh, Nehemiah 4, 7 through 9? Renee. So this is not a passage about prayer with regard to evangelism, but I thought in light of the other passages that we looked at, in light of what I just was talking to you about, this is an important sort of final verse for us to look at. It does talk about prayer. What, if you know the context of Nehemiah, what are they trying to accomplish right now? You can kind of glean it from here. No, not the temple. The walls, that's right. Remember, after they come back after Babylonian exile, there's two big things that they rebuild. The, the temple and the walls. And the two books that are dealing with this, this time frame, historical time frame, is Ezra and Nehemiah. Ezra's about repairing the temple. Nehemiah's about repairing the walls. And so uh, there were some groups of people, including some Samaritans and some others, who were against them rebuilding Jerusalem and trying to stop them, even by force. And so what do they do in verse 9 about the threat to them rebuilding the wall? They pray. They pray that God would give them safety. And then what do they do? They do something about it. They, they, don't, they don't pray and then leave all their weapons at home. That's right. Uh, you know, there's a practical aspect here. And, you know, you know, you don't pray. You know, you've probably heard these analogies before, right? Like, there's a flood, and, and the waters are coming, and you go up to the roof of your house, and you're sitting on top, and you're praying, Lord, send me help. And then a helicopter comes by, offers to take you away, and you say, oh, no, 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 I prayed to God. He's going to send me help. Right? No, you get, on the, you get on the helicopter. He sent you help. He answered your prayer. Right? We do things. It's the language we've used, you know, quoting Vera Simmons and... and, and, and uh, uh, Denny Brown, you know, putting legs on your prayers, right? You act in accordance with your prayer request. I mean, how can you say, I, I'm going to have faith in my prayer request if you won't act in line with your prayer request? And so we pray things like, Lord, convert this person. But then you share the Gospel, right? You say, Lord destroy their faulty argumentation where they've trusted in man's wisdom over God's, and then what do you do? You share the biblical apologetics and arguments with them. Right? So, even though we spend a lot of time talking today about how it's not all about us, we pray, and then we go and we share our faith, and we, we exercise evangelism and apologetics. And if the Lord would see fit to use us, praise be to God. Let's have faith that God actually answers prayer. And so we pray, and they, post, they posted a guard as protection, and they kept building the wall. Let's pray and keep on evangelizing. Any uh, questions? Uh, we've got about a minute or so for questions uh, on our topic today.
Well, in the context of 2 Timothy, he's talking about not being ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. So the context of that particular verse has in mind uh, the idea of, of sharing our, our faith. Uh, but I think the principle that he's drawing from is, is certainly a much bigger principle. Um, and, and it's one of those interesting things. It's sort of like God has not given you a spirit of fear, but he's recognizing you have a spirit of fear. And so has God given it or given it? There's a principle that we don't have a spirit of fear because of the gospel and all its ramifications, uh, but there is a sort of, um, of um, applying that to and, 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 and living out that which is ours by right in the gospel. And so, yeah, I think there's lots of applications then that would come from not having a spirit of fear. Ask broader questions. What does that mean when we have not a spirit of fear. Well, I can think of some examples. First John says, do we have a fear of judgment as Christians? No. Revelation, read Revelation. Do we have a fear of God's enemies being able to win against the church? No. So those are two quick examples of we don't fear those things. Right? So are there going to be uh, ramifications in various ways in your life? Absolutely. Now, again, there are other bad applications of that, right? I'm doing this thing I'm not supposed to be doing, and it's causing me all kinds of trouble in my life, whether from a violation of God's laws or wisdom, can I quote, I don't have a spirit of fear, I don't need to worry about how my life is being destroyed by my bad, either sinful or dumb actions? No, that's a bad application, right? That's not what this means. So we have to use wisdom on how to apply it. That's right. There you go. Old and New Testament reemphasizes there is the value of the fear of the Lord. And so this is one of those things that the world says, contradiction of the Bible, therefore I'm not a believer. And I say, then you haven't spent time to really read the Bible. Because life is like this, where there's two things in tension, and wisdom is understanding how the one thing is true and the other thing is true, both at the same time, because they're talking about different things. And that's life in a, in a beautifully, wonderfully complex way. So, amen. We do have a righteous fear of the Lord. And you ought not to ever lose that, even in eternity. Even in eternity, when, when we dwell with God forever. All right, we're well out of time. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for our time today. We have a wonderful encouragement in your word to pray, wonderful teaching in your word about prayer. We pray that you would use us in our own personal evangelism opportunities, and we pray uh, for each other uh, in that, Lord. Help us to be a people of prayer on this matter to recognize how you give the growth and then help us to be uh, putting legs in our prayers and living these things out. In Jesus' name, amen.